got a new quarterback in for the Ravens as Anthony Brown takes over for Tyler Huntley. Brown's first pass of the night going deep. Lots of man wide open and he's got him at the 30 to the 20. Welcome to Baltimore. Demarcus Robinson touchdown Ravens. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. So cut day, really cut days the last couple of weeks, and the Raiders have dropped Alex Leatherwood. They traded Trayvon Mullen. Some other big-name players around the NFL also released. Keelan Cole just found out a little while ago, another Raiders wide receiver gone. That was Demarcus Robinson who was released in the first round of cuts, and that was Demarcus Robinson on a double move. Just absolute destruction. And it's interesting with the Ravens, because he's on the Ravens now. That was Ravens TV. Ravens... I didn't see any official confirmation on this, but it sounds like the Ravens are very interested in Kenyon Drake. Hmm. So how about that? Either the Raiders are really good and really deep, or they just blew it with a couple of veteran players because a good team in the Ravens may pick up both Marcus Robinson and Drake. I mean, it happens. Maybe they fit the scheme better, the system, whatever it is. Maybe the team is just better at developing players. Um, as an Angels fan, Steve, I know what it's like to watch team players come to your team, be absolutely terrible, and then leave and be great. Um, so maybe that is it. But it's also a relatively small sample size, right? It's not like you got like 20 guys leaving the Raiders and all of a sudden. And now, if Alex Leatherwood leaves and goes to another team and he becomes an all-pro, then maybe you got some thinking to do about how quickly you cut bait on guys. And people are going to be watching the right tackle situation the entire year because this could be the thing that takes down this offense. Oh, yeah. We've seen good offensive lines take down better offenses, right? Or bad offensive lines, excuse me, take down better offenses. So, and when that's the thing, too, I mean, look, we don't know how good a guy like Dwayne Brown's going to be for your Jets, right? But that was a guy that was out there. And it was kind of curious that the Raiders didn't, at least with a legitimate amount of cap space, go and put a flyer out there and try to grab a Dwayne Brown to put a band aid along the offensive line, or at the very least, add to the depth that they had. And it was a modest price that the Jets wouldn't got him for that you can plug him in as a starter. Uh, th- those are the kind of things where, look, maybe you're just going to ride with what you got and you see if you can develop it. But those are the decisions where you're kind of just like, hmm, I wonder what they are thinking. Did you see Tom Brady comment on why he was away for 11 days? I'm trying to figure out what was going on here because yesterday I felt like I got backed into a corner by uh, hot take Willie Ramirez okay. who wanted to go crazy on Brady. But, you know, I listened to it. I read it. I listened to it again. I listened to it again. I watched it. I watched it. I watched it. Listen to Brady and his explanation. He actually got me, and now I'm a little worried about Tom Brady. It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life, and I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on, so, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can, and it's a uh, continuous process, so. Now, there was a lot of pausing and stammering in there. We crunched it all together. It was very dramatic. Uh, Willie yesterday was like, basically toughen up, Buttercup. You're super rich. Get over your issues and let's go. And when I watched it, I was like, Brady's either really good at disarming people, which I always worry about because Derek Carr is pretty good at that too. There are people who can get up there and be like, I'm going to make you feel terrible about asking me this question. Right. But then part of me was like, he kind of looks sad. Like, what is going on? And then back to Willie, who, you know, then went down the path of, like, how bad is this marriage? Well, maybe. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. Because, no. you know, no one wants other people sticking their beak in what's going on on the home front. So I'm trying to figure out, did I just get worked here by Tom Brady? 
or is there something really wrong? I don't know if there's anything really wrong. I, I would say I, I took that as, and maybe he was just tired. Was that after practice? I would assume he's tired. Maybe he's tired after practice. He's old. He's 45. You know, that's what else got me. I'm being serious here. When I watched the video and I was watching him kind of mumble through it, and he's like, ah, I'm 45-year-old, 45-year-old man. There's, you know, there's, uh, there's stuff going on, blank going on. Um, I didn't – his hair didn't look good. There, there's, it there's, looked very matted, and I was like, that's not the Tom Brady that we've grown to love who you know looks good, sounds good. I think he's really sad. There are allegations that uh, he's totally dying his hair uh, and that it's actually full gray. And that oh, it, looks, wow. it looks very much dyed. And that if you look closely, the roots are gray. No. Uh, maybe. So we'll oh, see. I got to go back and investigate this. Um, but I now I'm getting worked two ways. <laughs> right. He's actually not as beautiful as you think he is. Now he's too. doing, well, you know, whatever, just for men. And he's putting on the Mope Act. So I, I actually, I took, I got a lot of bleep going on as, yeah, I'm rich. And so I've got a lot of irons in the fire. Okay. I got stuff to take care of. I've got brands to manage. We- I've got to go make more money. And I'm awesome at this. So I'm going to take a little bit of a break to go make more money in Can other we play ventures. it again? I, 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 let's see if everyone else picks up on the sadness. It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. So we all have really unique challenges to our life. And I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. So, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can. And it's a uh, continuous process. So figure out life the best you can. It's a, <laughs> it's a continuous process. Continuous process. I don't think he was bragging about all the money he's making. God, his hair looks terrible. It does look bad, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's that's what added onto the whole thing for me. I'm like, man, he doesn't look good. He was probably just wearing a helmet, though, so I'm sure like that's probably <laughs> probably exactly what happened. Dude, um, you got to fluff your hair up, otherwise we all get worried. Um, this is you know, you're usually on top of this. Look, I'm just gonna go. Da- I I right, so I'm the only I'm the only soft one so far out of the three that have been pulled on the show. Yes, but also I think there. Here's the thing. It could be also the most obvious thing, which is. He's 45. He wanted to get the hell out of there. And instead of saying, yeah, I don't want to be here for two weeks in the middle of summer, right. he was just like, I just got a lot of stuff going on, man. Yeah, you do. You had time to take off with your supermodel wife to go hang out in some Caribbean island or whatever it was. Right? And that's what it is. So I'm not going to go down the path of, hey, suck it up, Buttercup, like Willie was. That sounds like jealousy because Willie wishes he had that money. I think, you, I think you are going down the path of suck it up, Buttercup. No. I th- I'm going down the path of he's pulled the veil over your eyes because he doesn't care. Yeah. He's like, I went on vacation, man. Yes. That's what he did. He, he went on vacation. One, he was once a man I hated. Now I love him, and I just can't see clearly. I do wish that the that, – uh, By the way, that has to be an ISO – in a promo somewhere or an open. So I let it breathe. I don't even know what I just right. said. What did I? What did I say? Go, go in the bag, please. Save me. You're all over the place. We don't go in the bag here. It's the crunch. It's a good point. It's crunch, crunch. Yeah. Brady is throwing me off. You know what? We're going to break. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life. And I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. So, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can. And it's a uh, continuous process. So, Cofield and Company NFL insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. I hate, hate, hate when radio hosts reference music coming back. It's annoying. But I will say that matched very nicely. Uh, I feel sad. I feel sad. That was kind of moribund music. John's here, Cofield. I was happy. I got completely suckered, I think, by Tom Brady. Uh, I got so discombobulated. 
right before the break, I was like, I, I don't have a tease. I wanted to hit another topic. I got nothing. Let's just go to break. Maybe Miles Simmons can come in and be sappy with me. Miles, of course, from Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm great, guys. Uh, it doesn't sound like you're doing as well as you could be, but geez. I, I, when I saw the clip, you know, I read the quotes and I listened to it, and then I saw the clip of Tom Brady talking about, you know, he's 45, year old, uh, he's 45 years old, man. You know, a lot of stuff's going on. Um, he looked really sad. He didn't look good. His hair was messed up. He seemed sad. And then uh, both of the hosts so far this week on Cofield and Company are basically like, you got suckered, dude. Cut it out. What do you mean got suckered? Like, oh, you mean uh, like he got I've, suckered by him? Like yes, you I got did? suckered. It's like suckered feeling bad for him. Like he's depressed. And, uh, you know, instead it's basically he just worked us. Well, I mean, uh, he got 11 days off during training camp. Nobody should feel bad for him. And like he's the yes. one that decided to unretire after 40 days so he could go get hit by Aaron Donald instead of, you know, go sunbathing with his hot wife. So, like, I, mean, I don't know. I don't have much sympathy wow. for him. One against three. I'm, I'm losing this battle. Yeah, I think that's my I, thing, Miles. I, like, Steve's just like this whole thing. He's like, oh, you know, he's old. Maybe feel like, no, I, th- I think what he's doing is making everybody, he's doing that thing where he just turns it back on you. Right? Like, don't, don't, don't yeah. ask me about my days off. How dare you ask me? Right. I, I feel right. terrible right now, guys. Yeah, like, okay, well, whose fault is that? Like, you were the one who retired and then unretired after 40 days. Like you, you could, you didn't have to do this. What, do, what more do you have to prove? Giselle said it, you know, a couple right. years ago. What more um, do you have right. to prove? You don't, don't need to do this. All right. Go home then if you don't want to do it. He also, there's a really good chance, Miles, that he's actually depressed because he got eliminated from the mass Singer really early, right? Yeah, that's actually probably true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Will you guys stop with St. Tom? What are you doing? I mean, why else was he gone? Nobody knows why he was gone for a lot of our days. business. He's trying to it's figure out weird. life. I mean, you can go and figure out life or whatever, but that's still very weird. To, to leave your team in the middle of training camp and everybody's like, no, it was pre-planned. It was pre-planned. And if it was pre-planned, then why didn't we know? Why didn't you say anything? No, none of the, it just none of it makes any sense. And it's weird, but it kind of doesn't matter because he's been playing football for, you know, as long as I've been alive, it feels like. And, you know, he can come back and it's like he didn't miss any time. It's not like they were integrating a new offense. It's not like they were really doing things that are that much different than everything he's ever done over the course of his career. So who cares eventually if you're gone for 11 days? But it's still weird. It's still strange. Mm, harsh. Um, all right. How about this one? What you got? And you, and you can tweet at Miles A. Simmons on Twitter if you want to get at him about Tom Brady and that I'm right. Um, how about this one? I feel sad for Alex Leatherwood. Uh, I mean, I've got you know a few million <laughs> reasons not to be. Look, I, okay. I mean, we can say that we may or may not feel bad for Alex Leatherwood, but he was not a good fit for what the Raiders are going to do now. And frankly, he was probably overdrafted in the first place. So those kinds of pressures put on you make things different uh, than they otherwise would be. So I guess in some way, maybe I do feel bad for Alex Leatherwood, but I also don't because it just he's going to have a chance to go somewhere else. Probably he's not going to get claimed off waivers. I don't know why anybody would do that with all the money left um, on his rookie deal. But he's going to have a play, chance to go somewhere else. Maybe he lands on somebody's 53-man roster. Maybe he lands on somebody's practice squad. And he'll get a chance to develop into something that he was never going to be um, with Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like the pressure of expectations, right? Do we feel bad for him because of that? I don't know. 
the report that came out that all 32 teams, or excuse me, 31 teams, because they would be the 32nd, uh, the 31 teams told them no on, on a trade. Is that more about money, or is that more reflective on what the league thinks of Alex Leatherwood? Yes. I mean, you know, it's funny because uh, when Rappaport tweeted that, that 32 teams said no, everybody's like, well, it's 31 teams. And it's like, well, technically the Raiders are saying no, too, because they also waived him. So, like, that is 32 teams are saying, no, we don't want you on this contract. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't if I were running a team and, you know, uh, uh, even with a new regime, you get somebody who's an OL and they're drafted in the first round. You don't expect that guy to go away right away. Right? I mean, Colton Miller was somebody that was drafted in the first round and the Raiders still have him under their new regime. And, you know, they gave him uh, the contract extension last year before the new regime got there. And I understand that, but it, I'm just saying like, that's part of it. Right. Um, so when you have somebody like Leatherwood and it's clear that he could not hack it as a right tackle, at least when he got in the league last year. And if you pick an OL with one of those premium picks in the top 20, you expect that guy to come in and hold down a starting role right away. He couldn't do that. They moved him to guard and yeah, he was still able to start, but it just was clear that it wasn't going to work for him under this new regime. And so if you're that guy and you can't make it work, even though there's new coaching staff, like I, I'm not going to pick you up and pay you, you know, what your rookie wages is supposed to be based on where you were drafted at 17 overall. I'm not going to do that. So we get the news, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stick around with the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to be their backup quarterback. So I, I think overall, if I were to tell you, hey, man, your backup quarterback is a guy who went to multiple conference championship games, went to a Super Bowl, you feel relatively comfortable. Do you like do you like that dynamic with young quarterback who's got the dude behind him who is successful with the team, not breathing down his neck, but I feel like if there's some early struggles, I mean, you're going to start to look around if you're in that locker room and be like, dude, this this guy had us a game away from the Super Bowl last year. Absolutely, and that's it's it's a weird dynamic, man. It's just a weird dynamic, and it's why the 49ers wanted to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, right? We know they wanted to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, but then he had the surgery, and so it made it kind of impossible for the 49ers to deal him. Um, but, you know, it, what's funny to me is that if Garoppolo's healthy, he's still a top 20 quarterback in the league, at least in my opinion. You know, so there that means that there are 12 teams, by that definition, that would probably be better off with him than they are with their current starter. Um, but based on the way things worked out, you could go through a, the whole list of teams, right? And say like, eh, I understand why they didn't want to do it. Like the Texans, for instance, just to give you one, I get why they would want to see what they have in Davis Mills with Pep Hamilton as their offensive coordinator, rather than let's go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe he becomes something that Davis Mills isn't, but maybe Davis Mills is just as good, if not better than Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, and why, why should we do that when we're not really in a position to go compete for a Super Bowl anyway? I mean, you could say the same thing about the Atlanta Falcons and Marcus Mariota and, and doesn't Ritter. So, it's a weird dynamic that they're going to have in San Fran. I, I don't know that I would really want it that way, but as long as the two QBs can figure out the way to coexist, then it should be all right. But yeah, if Trey Lance struggles and they're a quarter of the way through the season and Lance can't get the ball down the field, he can't, you know, get things right at the line of scrimmage. He's not calling the protections properly and all these different things that you know, Jimmy Garoppolo can do. What's George Kittle going to start doing? What's Debo Samuel going to start doing? Are they going to start belly aching a little bit to Kyle Shanahan? They might. It's not out of the realm of possibility, and that creates a odd dynamic. So it's a super small sample size from both last year and in the preseason from what we saw from Trey Lance. Is there a shot 
that behind closed doors, Kyle Shanahan was watching this in practice and going, oh, my God, we might have made the wrong choice here. We got to keep Jimmy around. Um, maybe, <laughs> but, like, at the same time, like, they, possible. it's possible. It's it's not out of their own possibility. And for me, like, not being there, it's sort of hard for me to be like, yeah, of course. But I, cause I can't. I, but I just, when I watched Trey Lance, I was not, like, confident in what he was putting out there on the field. You know, and it's basic, and I don't like putting stock in anything when it comes to preseason, especially with quarterbacks. You're not game planning. You're not looking at film in the same way. You're not studying opponents. You're not, you know, doing the things that you would normally do. And Kyle Shanahan's not putting together one of his top-notch game plans to go and defeat opponents. But at the same time, you you look at some of those throws he was making as he's coming out of the pocket, and he's, like, skipping it in there. He's airmailing some guys. He's not hitting guys in stride. And you might feel like, okay, this, I don't know. I don't know about this. And this is a guy that they went and they traded up to get at number three overall. Yeah, you know, it's like the Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith dynamic, right? Like it, it was never a question for anybody in the Chiefs organization of, okay, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be very good. Like they all saw it in practice. They understood what was coming. And everybody was like, yeah, Alex Smith, like God love him, but like get him out of here so we can get this dude in here. And then Mahomes goes and wins the MVP. It doesn't look like Trey Lance is on that trajectory right now at all. Miles Simmons with us. We gotta hit social media for a couple of stories. Nice. Okay. Can we can we tell Honey Badger? I mean, how old is he now? Is he like thirty one? Honey, Honey Badger's, I think, yeah, he's around my age. He's got to be 30, 31, something like that. So he's so Shut he's up. old. He's he's a veteran. Okay, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. So he's old. Like the, the hold hold on there. You know, we don't have to call him old just because he's in his thirties. He's thirty. Yeah, he just I'm turned thirty in May. I'm thirty one. So you guys had a story that he put up a cryptic tweet. He went up deleting it, and it was you know kind of making reference to. Young guys taking over for vets. Is there a point as a vet, you just you don't have to air your complaints, your sadness? I know I started with you know being sad. I guess I have no mercy here for Honey Badger, but dude, enough with the freaking tweets. Oh, it's 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 all it's cryptic tweet season, right? And God. it's interesting that we didn't see any more of that today with guys, you know, having a tweet and it's like, uh oh, what the hell happened? Yeah. Now I thought we might have been a little premature to be like don't tell Florio this, I guess, but like, <laughs> he's like, uh-oh, what's, what's going on with Honey Badger? Yeah. Oh no, is he going away? I'm like, who knows? It's, it's a tweet. But at the same time, like, we've got we've to gotta report on things when they come about. And frankly, over the course of this offseason, when guys were removing things from social media, you know, like Kyler Murray, for instance, there actually was an issue there. So it's not like out of the realm of possibility for there to have exactly. been um, some sort of issue. But yeah, I think sometimes the whole belly aching thing on Twitter, like it, I, I also find it annoying. You know, I get everybody has feelings, but like, you know, if you're going to put some cryptic tweet up there, you have to understand if you're a public figure that somebody is going to make something out of it. Like, that's just where we are in society in 2022. I like Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is worth north of $200 million guaranteed. I feel a butt coming. But I will tell you the one red flag with him is at times his social media. Listen, you're a CEO of a franchise. Don't be a child and subtweet, 
John, what did he do the other day with That's a like? The one red flag? Yeah, he liked a. Uh, he liked. The, I think I'm sure you saw this, Miles. He liked the yeah. picture. I think it was a Photoshop of him in a Dolphins jersey. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Just by the way, stop! everybody, I, stop! I think in the same tweet, Miles, the person who tweeted it spelled Lombardi L O M B A R D Y, which was absolutely <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, okay, but that's not the one red flag, right? Like the one, the bigger red flag is can he handle like blitzes and stuff? And like, how, how is he going to be able to adjust going into this particular season after he really didn't play all that well in the last few games that we saw him uh, in 2021. And like, I, I'm not like trying to put Lamar Jackson down, although I do agree with uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, where he says that Lamar Jackson needs an agent. Like, yeah, because uh, frankly, he should have gotten nine figures guaranteed last offseason. You don't go if you are a quarterback and you have a chance to get yourself nine figures guaranteed. Like that's I, I realize, you know, we play the sport for the love of the game and it's this and it's that. But like, what are you doing, dude? Like you had nine figures that you should have gotten last year because Josh Allen got it. Same draft class. You have an MVP award. He doesn't. So what? Wh why is this not done already? I don't know. And part of it, you know, if we want to start the speculation and he doesn't like the speculation, as he has said, but when you like a tweet, that has you photoshopped in a Dolphins jersey, what else are we supposed to think? You know, this is where we are in social media and our society in the year of our Lord 2022. So I don't really know what he's thinking. He, of course, has set that deadline of the by the start of the regular season. He wants the contract talks over. So ostensibly, that means like these next few days and this weekend, Labor Day weekend, where there's nothing really going on in the NFL, that's the time where you need to get this thing done. I really, really hope he gets it done because I want it for him. But, you know, he may not. And we'll see what happens. And because if, look, he's either going to play for the Ravens under the franchise tag next year, if, you know, hopefully he doesn't get hurt or anything doesn't happen to him, or like he's going to force his way out of Baltimore in some way, I guess. But like he's always said he doesn't want to do that. So I don't know. It's such a bad Photoshop, too. Like, that's the other thing. It's awful. It's, it's literally just a teal eight just, like, pasted onto his chest. Can I just say, though, really quickly, I mean, look, if we were all in Lamar Jackson's position where you could get people, thousands, maybe millions of people, talking with just a simple press of a button, like, come on. Don't you think he's just messing around? I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that, yes. I, right? I do. I mean, it's, it was the same with Kyler Murray. Like, they just are kind of, like, messing around, doing this and doing that. And, you know, I don't know if Kyler Murray actually ever ended up firing Eric Burkhart, um, his his agent, after the whole uh, study gate debacle. But, like, I think if you're an agent, you kind of just want to be like, dude, don't do that because all you're doing is making things more annoying for us behind the scenes as we negotiate. We do have some breaking news that Lamar Jackson actually – uh, how about this tweet? What do you think he means by this? He liked it. Capricorns are so straightforward. We come off as if we are rude when really we just don't see the point in adding fluff to the things that we're saying. What do you think he means? Uh, I, I wish I, I wish I knew. <laughs> what are Capricorns? Boy, I have no idea, bro. I don't. I don't. What? Yeah, you know, I'm like it's like, astrology is one of those things. This is astrology, not astronomy, right? Yes, this is astrology. It's one of those things that you know you kind of pretend that you know a little bit about when you're in a bar and you're talking to a nice woman and you're like, Oh, let me get you a drink. And she's like, Oh, well, like, are, what are you? I'm like, I'm a Libra. I'm like, Oh my God. I think that means we're compatible. 
please ask the next question. I don't know where I'm going with this. Man, <laughs> that's such a Libra thing to say, Miles. Yeah. Appearing on the strip very soon. Man of a thousand voices, Miles. Uh, nice job. Nice job. Uh, Miles, we were up against it. Uh, I highly recommend that as a, a topic starter, when you do your pre-show meeting on, on Peacock, tell people about that, that you run that one by Florio. Let's do a little yeah. bit of uh, Lamar Jackson, the Capricorn. Okay, absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Miles, we'll see you, buddy. Take care, guys. There he is. PFT, Miles Simmons. This is actually like he said he's a Libra. Uh, His horoscope today. There's tension in the air, Libra, and you might be restless and anxious to start something. Sounds like this spot. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Cofield and company moving past the uh, halfway point of the show. John Von Tobel is here. Here is the Battleborn uh, Broadcast Center. Battleborn Broadcast Center. Giveaway time right now. 364-1100-364-1100. Massive show on September 9th at the Al Allegiant Stadium. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets for Joan Jett, Poison, Def Leppard, and... Motley Crew, caller 7364111364111. Now, what you hope is, I mean, I think it would be neat to get up on the the big board at any stadium with like maybe a little social media post. But something happened at the Brewers game, and I was trying to read through this, and I'm like, I think I get it, but I need John to explain because I'm old and feeble, and what? I lose track of things. Well, I'm just wondering in this whole story how how it took off immediately, like how everyone understood the message. So, on the jumbotron at the Brewers game, right. we get a we get a, like a list of messages for people, right? So it's like, "Happy birthday, Cody!" from your B day buddy Mel. Happy birthday, Mel, from your B day buddy Cody. This is what makes me believe, by the way, that this is not real in any way whatsoever, because the first two messages are to two people who have the same birthday and know each other. Weird. The third one, "Happy anniversary." Mike and Ronald, right? Or Ronley, whatever it is. Good luck on the big race, Scott. And mixed in there is a message that says, Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Which clearly is, if it is like, if it is true, it is telling Mark, whoever this person is, I don't want to take the next step, Mark. I just want to be friends. Mark has been friend zoned on the jumbo truck. Just a very advanced message. Well, and the, if you and if you're going to put someone in the friend zone, why would you do it to him that publicly? What a, who who did this? That's what, what a jerk. If it's real, if it's real, which I kind of hope it is. Yeah. Can you imagine if said person is with Mark at the game, right? And because think about it too, the process of getting the message to the Brewers saying, hey, I need this up on the Jumbotron. Like, there had to have been time between Mark popping some sort of question to escalate the relationship and you going to the Brewers game and waiting till the sixth inning for the message to get up there, and then you're sitting there, and then you elbow Mark. You're like, oh, Mark, by the way, check out the Jumbotron. And he's like, oh, and he's destroyed. I don't think it's real. I don't think it is either. Because I don't I don't believe that's people who are friends with each other, so I think it's a joke, <laughs> I, I think. think. But read it again, because uh, – some of the players got it. Read it again. Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Okay. I've been there. I've been friend zoned before. Mark wanted something, and anonymous person did not. So who latched onto it? 
The Brewers did. Yeah. Apparently in the dugout. Some of the they, players. They saw yeah. it in the dugout. Yeah. And so Yelich even retweeted the video, said down two in the eighth inning, dugout looked up, saw this, and said, let's win one for Mark. They walked it off against the Pirates. <laughs> let's win one for Mark. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Yeah, it's probably fake. It's like I'm 99% sure it's fake. But I would love it if it wasn't. I know I'm going to ruin this by saying it because the, the better story is, you know, traditional couple, guy, girl, Lady, with you. ladies telling them, hey, let's not ruin things. What if it was just a message to someone who's been your friend, but they're just going down a path where you're like, I don't really want to talk to you anymore because I have friends like that. What do you mean? No, because this is your friendship means the world to me. Your friendship means the world to me. Yeah, let's not wreck it. They still want to be friends. That's not cutting off everything. That's saying, I don't want to be more than friends. Well, I, but you're warning someone, hey, I don't want to have to cut off everything. Ooh, what if it's something different? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll give you an example. What if he owes I, this I, person I don't, I don't money? Wanna, I don't want to that. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? What if it actually is real? What if it, like, you know, I mean, should I do it? What? I mean, you know, you could, you could have loaned someone a lot of money. Right. And they're not paying it back to you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, please pay me back. This isn't a friend zone thing. It's almost a threat. Like, I respect you as a friend, but it's going to end pretty soon here. The next level, too, is you got the money to go to the Brewers game, Mark. Right. Yep. I value our friendship. Let's not wreck you, it. You better pay up. Pay me my money. <laughs> you're getting thrown into the lake. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Coalfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, here we go. Sam Paniotovich is in with Cofield and Company. Sam, how you doing? Sorry I didn't get to meet up with you this weekend. We met up for like 12 minutes, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We saw each other down at Circa, but you were in a state and I wasn't. And then the next time we were supposed to meet, I was in a state and you weren't. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Well, I thought we were going to meet earlier on Friday, and then I'm like, "Oh, wait, he has a radio program in Las Vegas. He has to host." So, yeah, yeah. we we got a little after it on Friday, and then I, I think you showed up to the circa at eleven o'clock or something. And yeah, at that late. point, forget it. Yeah, we had some friends in town, so we went out for a big dinner, and I did not lose credit card roulette, so I was thrilled about that. So. Let's talk uh, first before we get to some games this week with a week zero behind us and now a pretty full slate for week one. I wanted to get your take on a couple of win totals in college football. It's funny. Uh, I say all the time, I really, and I do, I do believe this. I like Doug Gottlieb's show. I listen to it on Fox Sports Radio locally while I'm driving around. And I heard him teasing something about Clemson. Is Clemson going to be back this year? And the funny thing on Clemson is they really weren't gone last year. They just weren't national championship quality, but they closed out pretty strong. They were better in the second half and, you know, Hey, DJU just didn't turn out to be, you know, a top five quarterback like a lot of people thought he would. So what are you going to do with their win total this year? So I have Clemson bet a couple different ways. I guess by default, they're one of my favorite teams going into this season. I was talking with Metcalf. We sat down for chicken dinner and I said, hey, I just hit you for us, um, Clemson to win the title at 13 to one. I said, you had the best price in the world. And he's like, ah, I bet him at 18 to one at William Hill. So he's he at a, a high number and I, I think 13 is still a little too high on them because really the handicap with Clemson is they just have to get through the ACC finish 11 and one and they're going to be in the playoffs now a lot of things have to go right for that to happen but it starts with the quarterback as you mentioned DJ Uyunglele who I bet at the Superbook I was in town I bet him at 80 to one to win the Heisman um, highest price in the world like 
BetMGM has 20 to 1. FanDuel has 25 to 1. So I saw 80 to 1 on this kid, and I'm like, look, I'm taking a shot here. With the win total, to answer your question, I've got him favored in like 11, maybe 12 games, depending on what Notre Dame looks like after a month. You know, Clemson goes to Notre Dame later in the season. You can make the case right now that Notre Dame is a small favorite. But if they get steamrolled by um, Ohio State week one, I mean, that spread could flip on a dime there. So I, I just think the market's down on Clemson. The market doesn't clearly like the quarterback. But, Steve, no team recruits better on the defensive line. They've got skill in the secondary. They've got good receivers. And this quarterback is down 25 pounds this year. That's a big deal at the college level. And, and that, that's the type of kid who was a Heisman pretty much co-frontrunner going into last season. Him and Spencer Rattler were both the, the co-favorites. How is he 80-1, to 1 and how is this team getting the disrespect? I, I just don't get it. I, I think they can go 11-1. to 1. They might even go 12-0 and 0 because the schedule isn't tough. And the only real tough game is at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame always falls flat in a big moment. So, yeah, I'm over on Clemson, 10 and a half. You can find uh, Sam's win total story for college football at Nesson.com, N-E-S-N.com. And, you know, one of the plays has already started. How good do you feel right now about the Nebraska Cornhuskers going under 7.5 after the performance in Dublin? Yeah, Scott Frost blows. I mean, just a terrible coach. And we were actually talking about this on Friday. Some of the guys, humans and I, were sitting there, and I was like, hey, there's this rumor floating around that Frost took the guys out on Thursday night. He, he skipped the staff meeting and took the team to the Guinness plant to drink beers. And you're like, that can't be right. And then you see the report on Saturday about the players puking on the sidelines. Did you see that? Frost was like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have our win. Well, maybe don't take the team out drinking. You know, like what, what are we doing here? This guy is now 15 and 30 as a head coach at Nebraska. And as a favorite, ATS against the spread, Nebraska when laying points under Scott Frost is 9 and 16. That is the gift that keeps on giving. I could not believe the win total was 7.5. He might get launched by the end of this. But they lose one more game they shouldn't. He, leave his ass. Leave him on the tarmac. Lane kissing him. Like, he's just not a good coach, but he's so arrogant and thinks he doesn't need to attend staff meetings and thinks he could take the team out for beers. Like, that's not a guy you want to roll with into the trenches. Let's go to some of the games, Sam. Thursday we get uh, a pretty good one, actually. West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Eight is the spread now. I'm I'm relatively surprised. Like the market just keeps moving in the direction of Pitt. Did I miss something from an injury standpoint? Because I look at the Mountaineers, see a pretty decent wide receiving core. JT Daniels behind an offensive line that brings five guys back. A new look offense for Pitt. Uh, what am I missing? I don't think you're missing anything. It's just you know sharp respect coming in on Pitt there. Um, and it was funny. I was sitting in the back with Sammons the other day. He goes, "Yeah, we wrote a hundred dollar bet on Pittsburgh." Uh, to win the national championship at 500 to one, I'm like, well, that ain't gonna win. Um, how about that? Like, that's just insanity. So you're seeing some love from some respected players. Now that future bet wasn't from a sharp or anything, but you're just seeing some good respect. I I would agree with you though. Anything north of seven, I lean to the dog. Um, this one didn't make my short list, so I'm not gonna have a bet on it. Um, didn't really talk to anybody I know that liked it, but yeah, I, I think the number the number feels a little heavy. So I, I tend to agree with you on that one. I'm not laying eight, that's for sure. Hmm. Don't really feel good that Ed Simmons is in the back mocking my bets. Oh, really? Uh, well, <laughs> it happens though. You know, I mean, Ed doesn't get them right all the time. He'd be the first one to tell you that. 
All right, what about Oregon and Georgia? On a totally neutral field in Atlanta. Um, so I, I thought the way I approached this personally, and, I'm, and again, so I don't have a really good read on the market in college football. Um, my initial thought was to potentially look at this game going under the total because I'm not sure Oregon's offense is going to execute here, even, no matter who they announce as their starting quarterback. Uh, but we're talking about this now as high as 53. Numbers come off 17.5 to 17. Do you have anything here? I'd cut it in half, buddy. I'd go first half under. I, I think – you know, the first two quarters will dictate the entire game. Um, and I think, to your point about, you know, the lack of offense, Oregon is going to really have a hard time running the football on Georgia. Now, look, I don't want to lay this number with Georgia because I do have my concerns about Seth Bennett and a team that just sort of, you know, lifted the Georgia curse, if you will. They win a national championship. Like, how do they attack this season? Are they ready to go? Are they, you know, are they looking past the team that they should beat? I, I, don't, love, I don't love laying big numbers week one, uh, because the rust is real from time to time, depending on the program. Um, but I, I think that first half under, I feel better about under in the first half than I do full game. But it plays into your point that I don't think that Georgia is going to be, you know, all that awesome on offense either to start. They're replacing a lot. And I wasn't a big Bennett fan. Um, so I would go under. I mean, you could probably find, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I would guess you could find like an under 27 and a half. I think that's a really good bet in the first half because Oregon's going to struggle. And I think Georgia might be a little sleepy going into this game. Yeah, 27 and a half globally, I think, is the, the first half total. Wow, look right at now. that without the sheet in front of me. How about that? Good for you. It's like you know what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, I'll go under what? first half. That's what I would do. All right, uh, Oklahoma and UTEP. I find this interesting because some faraway places, we saw this as high as 40 in terms of the point spread when it initially started leaking out there. Now we're down to 31 and a half with this spread. Well, what are your, first off, the game, maybe nothing, but uh, Oklahoma itself, and what do you make of the Sooners with Dylan Gabriel as offense coordinator from his first year at UCF and Brent Venable's first go-around there? This is one of those spots where I, I think you just, just given the way this number has moved, you know, look, I was never going to lay 40. With Oklahoma, that that wasn't going to happen. But the fact that it's now crawled down almost ten points, like this is like just it's betting psychology. How do I how do I take thirty one when I could have taken forty? Like if if you're on the wrong side of that equation on a regular basis, you're not going to make money in this racket. So if anything, I think I would maybe look. You know, the good thing about that rundown from forty to thirty one is that it makes the first half so much cheaper. And a lot of these dogs, if they're not in it early, they're getting blown the hell out. Like, you know, 52 to 3, 60 to 7. So it makes that first half, which, you know, I, again, don't have the sheet here, but that first half has to be Oklahoma 16, 16, 5, maybe 17. Even that sounds high. Like, if UTEP's not in it in the first half, forget it. Like, this, this is a absolute blowout. So, yeah, I would look at the really cheap. Like, the game is cheaper than it was. But this first half on the open, JVT, is like Oklahoma 20, 21. Now you can lay sub-17 likely, and, and that's, that's something that you weren't able to do when these lines opened up. So you have to understand the market, where the lines are, and where they were. Week one, baby, college football. Sam Paniotovich breaking it down with, uh, of course, from Nesson, and he works with Fox Sports as well. So I know John was on Utah State last week against – UConn. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, you, you UConn. Are... I was on UConn. Oh, you are on UConn. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah, you are plus. You we'll are put that plus. evil on me, Ricky Bobby. All right. We'll, we'll, I'll ask you first, and then we'll get to Sam. Will you take Utah State plus 41.5 against Bama? <laughs> no. No? There's a reason why I bet against them. I don't know. Sam? I will not. I, you just keep asking me games that I don't really like, but it's okay. I know you don't do your homework from time to time. Um, no, I will not take the points. Um, so you said Utah State, right? Yes. 
I will bet. I'll tell you what. Here's my favorite bet of the weekend. It's Utah. Utah goes, not to take this in a different direction, but I'm going to, Utah laying three at Florida. I think by the time this thing kicks, I think we're at four, maybe four and a half. The line has already moved a little bit from the offseason where Florida was a small chalk. I watched a little bit of their spring game, and I've seen some of their stuff from practice. Dan Mullen left them with, like, no talent. Dan Mullen was a great offensive coordinator. He was, he was a good schematical head coach, but he sucked at recruiting. And it's very clear when you look at some of the quotes, you see what Billy Napier, the new head coach of Florida, is saying. He knows that they're not ready to win right now. The only thing that is holding this line down is that it's an SEC team at home. But this Florida is not the same Florida it was two years ago when they had Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask and they were putting up points. Like, this team is going to struggle. And I think Utah bringing back, what, eight, nine starters, including the quarterback, including the running back, multiple offensive linemen. There's a lot of talk about USC in the Pac-12, and understandably so. But Utah is the best team in that conference. They're the highest power-rated team in that conference. And I think if you have a a two-and-a-half or a three in front of you right now, you should lay that with Utah. I think this game could get pretty one-sided because Utah goes up. Florida won't have the talent or the ammo to catch up. So that's actually a game that I do like. I'm sorry. I don't don't want to give – like, don't ask me about North Dakota State Tech West. I I I don't have any thoughts on that one either. All right, Sam. We appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you. Oh, wow. All right. Just give me the boot. All right. All right. See ya. <laughs> All right. Uh, two other games I wanted to hit. Michigan, Colorado State. What do you think of Michigan? Well, in this game, they're 30 and a half. But what do you think of Michigan with the quarterback rotation game to game? They they have one of the easiest non-conference schedules on the planet. <laughs> and that Harbaugh is willing to do this because – he gets to beat up on his competition. He's moved forward. I don't think in any particular order is it Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn the first three weeks. All, of course, at home. I think it's a very advantageous schedule for them to work this out as they kind of move forward. I'll bet you if they had a like a high-profile non-conference game, quarterback situation would have been figured out by now. Is CSU a walkover? I, I don't think so in conference play. Okay. I'm not sure about early. Early, they have a lot of new players. Right. I think Jay Norvell, Norvell is a very good coach. I don't know what Clay Millen is going to be right out of the gates. His, uh, his dad's a former NFL player, Hugh Millen, and he was going to be the guy at, at Nevada. Right. So it could be some growing pains there. I expect them to be able to score. So I'm a little worried about Michigan going out and blowing them out. But, of course, I got to take, you know, CSU plus 30 and a half and then watch, you know, a 48 to 7 game. All right. Well, look, Michigan thrives in these spots. I think they're going to be able to really beat up on these teams. But I'm with you. Like, for me, Colorado State is a team that I had circled. Like, once you enter conference play, that they're going to be, I think, a team with – especially – I mean, think about the, the Mount West as a whole. You're talking about a whole bunch of teams outside of the top four and a half. We'll include, you know, Utah State, San Diego State, like those bottom of the top five. But they're all, like, win totals of, like, four or lower. And I think they're going to be eventually, by the time you get to that part of your schedule, one of the better Mountain West Conference teams. North Carolina, App State. Have you seen the number on this one? No. It's low. Is it really? Yes. It's only it's one and a half if I'm correct. Do you want to double check? When I was looking at it, I was like, wait a second. Now, keep in mind, North Carolina last week actually struggled. They wound up beating FAMU 56-24. But if you follow the Florida AM story, there is upheaval right now. Like they were yeah. minutes away from saying, you know, we're not going. Their best defensive player, who by the way, I think he had he had 19 and a half sacks last year. He goes I can't remember if he actually went into the portal or said he wasn't going to go in, but he had, uh, according to him, 
he had like 30 offers. LSU Georgia came after him. He came back and he was ineligible for the game. He's ineligible for the next three. So is one of their other, uh, their starting right tackle is also ineligible. So North Carolina, not exactly super impressive in that one. We'll break it down on the way back. It's Cofield and company here on a Tuesday.